Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Hey family, it's Thursday, so you know it's time to talk some Q. This is episode 13 of season two, Living the Dream. In this season, I'll be chatting with some of the most successful barbecue entrepreneurs out there about the different types of businesses you can get into and what it takes to be successful. We all love spending time in our backyard surrounded by our barbecues. I'm up to 11 now and always on the lookout for the next one. I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, your yard probably looks much the same as mine. But what if you could spend all day, every day, surrounded by all sorts of different barbecues? And what if your job was to talk you with people and help them on their barbecue journey? Sounds pretty good, right? That's exactly the case for Cameron from Barbecue Spit Rotisseries, a powerhouse independent barbecue retail shop with stores in Sydney and Melbourne. In today's ep, Cameron is going to take us through the history of BSR, how to distinguish yourself from the competition, and what you need to do if you want to open a barbecue shop of your own. So grab yourself some juicy lamb handles and a frosty, and let's get stuck into it. This is the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Our modern society is in a revolution at the moment. After years of exploring how we can use technology to better process our foods, we're now heading back the other way, realising that traditional farming produces better tasting and healthier food. At the forefront of this movement is Pure Meats Robina, Not only are they a low and slow specialist butcher, they pride themselves on stocking ethically sourced organic products to help you give your family the delicious, proper balanced diet they need. Their meats come direct from Aussie farmers and are broken from carcass on site. Not only that, but all their products are made on site, from healthy, ready to cook stir fries for the time poor, to my favorite, the smoked crocodile cabana. And for you competitors out there, I can tell you that the quality of the competition meat is not only outstanding, but most importantly, it's consistently outstanding. So do yourself a favor and head to facebook.com slash puremeatsrobina to find out more. Howdy Cameron, thank you for stepping into the confessional today. The first thing I have to ask is, what was the last thing that you barbecued? Uh, Yeah, so I um, uh, helped out a mate for an Australia Day event um, this this past weekend. Uh, He's a caterer. Uh, we had a food uh, foodie fair, I think it was called, um, in a pretty picturesque spot in Sydney, um, down by the Hawkesbury River, and um, yeah, we uh, uh, Jay's just nonstop, uh, anywhere from I think uh, I lost count, but probably five hundred to a thousand servings, and it was just uh, yeah, it was absolutely ballistic. Um, you know, people were just coming from. I don't, I didn't. I looked around periodically, and there was just lines upon line. I think it was about. We're going to told by some person thirty minutes or forty five minute line, so it was just nonstop. Oh wow, that's that's crazy. That's awesome. Sounds like it was fun. <laughs> it was a good time. It's just, uh, yeah, you don't realise how far you can push your body, um, and yeah, you push it pretty hard when you when you're catering. Well, I think Australia days are supposed to end in an ice bath anyway, though, isn't it? So it it, it sounds to me like you've done it the right way. Yeah, you wouldn't be wrong there. Um, it was. It was pretty crazy, pretty crazy. Just uh, it was like doing Bikram yoga, uh, cutting brisket. So it was, it was good. <laughs> now doing Bikram yoga with a brisket knife—that's that's quite the image. 
Yeah, yeah, not not a good image, but an image nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> Just as long as you weren't serving the brisket wearing yoga pants, I think that that the uh, crowd would have been fine. Yeah, I don't I don't know how much I would have been serving, but you know. <laughs> so. So given that you run a barbecue shop, you must have access to just about every kind of barbecue there is. What do you cook on for your family at home, and why did you choose that particular rig? Yeah, so um, you're right. I've got access to just about anything barbecue, any barbecue and anything barbecue related. Um, Well, I've got – I don't remember how many rigs, Um, you know, all different things for different purposes. I still think my favourite thing um, I cook for uh, family on is is a Cypress Grill, which is a fairly traditional sort of um, take on a souffle. Well, uh, I just enjoyed cooking over charcoal, and this is this is just a really nice sort of thing to have around, and the family enjoy watching it and smelling it. And so, yeah, that's probably my favourite thing. So, the Cypress Grill would probably be my favourite thing to be cooking on. That's interesting. I haven't heard of that before. Now you said that was a, a take on a on a what now? A traditional souffle grill. So it's 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 a fairly traditional Greek grill. Um, they're usually fairly low to the ground with a three three prong rotisserie. Um, we've sort of amped it up and made them a little bit more uh, easier to use at a at a decent height. So they're about you know a height you can work on, and they've got two motors. So you've got kebab motors down the bottom over charcoal. You've got a kebab motor up top and they're all height adjustable. So it's an enjoyable experience. And, um, yeah, it's just a really cool thing to be cooking on. You can cater on them as well. And they're just, they're just fun, you know. You can all, all automate it. It makes it a little bit easier than having a man a pit all the time. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, sounds delicious. So what's your favorite thing to barbecue and how do you do it? Um, well, I've got – yeah, James, it's, it's one of those things. I love barbecue in general. Probably my, my favourite thing to barbecue would be tri-tip. Um, I love cooking tri-tip because it's a, a fairly quick, easy um, cook and it's cheap. Um, it's I think you can get some pretty good results out of it. It's a versatile cut. Um, and that, and I, don't, I, I love lamb. I think in terms of spit roasting lamb, um, I don't like the, the fattiness of lamb in, in low and slow, believe it or not. Um Lamb's probably a category when I do competition that I'm not a fan of as much. <laughs> um, but, but when it's spit roasted, there's just something about it. Um, or, you know, probably either that, either those two or, or whole hog. I love doing the whole hog. Um, that's that's a whole heap of fun. Ooh, nice. How do you go about doing the whole hog? What's your favorite way to do that? Um, my favorite way uh, would be on a spit. Um Pretty, pretty, pretty low, pretty slow. Um, stuffing it with you know all sorts of wonderful things, um, you know, from your apples to your sultanas to loin meat to chicken to you know, I've tried a few things, and I, I don't know, there's something about that crispy belly to that um, you know really soft, beautiful, uh, sweet meat. You know, it's it's whole hogs, whole hogs, a whole heap of fun. Yeah, I saw a couple of different teams doing that up in Brisbane last year, and uh, some of the stuff that they were turning out just just looked fantastic. The uh, Fifty Shades of Pork Boys had a good one. The Shank Brothers had a good one. The I think the whole hog category's got um, got uh, quite the potential here in Australia. Oh, it definitely does. I think we take it to a different different level, and I'm uh, I'm really interested to see how it keeps evolving and how people keep trying out new things. I mean, I love 
Carolina style, uh, you know, over an open pit. Uh, I think it's amazing the, the stuff that Hillbilly does is just unbelievable. But you know, I also like a spit roast pig. I think you know there's something can be said about a spit roast pig rather than gently smoking it over over a really good charcoal. I think it's just unbelievable. Can you expand a bit on on why you prefer the the spit over the open pit? Um, I, I think the rotation. Um, so it's, it's it's forever basting in its own sort of fat. Um, slowly cooking from the outside in, not the inside out. Um, it's a lot easier to keep tenderness and, and moisture, in, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong, but, you know, I think it's just a little bit easier. Once it's once it's rotating around, it's never for, it's really never, ever dripping and losing any moisture um, than being on top of, you know, an open flame for too long. Um, and crispy skin. I mean, that crackling is just, something either you can't necessarily get from an open pit you know and i love crackles <laughs> yeah, I, I think you know I, I, i've not met anyone that doesn't want crackling so yeah yeah that's true i think uh i think crackles pretty common to every culture that eats pork i think i think we all uh we've all worked out how to do it <laughs> yeah absolutely and i think you know spit roast as well brings uh it's a very communal sort of thing you know um you stick a stick a, a spit roast pig on, and everyone wants to turn it, sit sit there and watch it turn for hours. You know, so yeah, <laughs> it is quite mesmerising. Just just sitting there, you've got firstly you have got the fire, and then just this pig just rotating around and around and around and around and around. Oh, it's unbelievable! Um, absolutely unbelievable! You know. So when it does come to uh, to turning the pig on the spit, are you traditional and like do you take turns on a on a hand turned spit, or do you go the modern way and use an, an electric motor? Look, electric motors, uh, I think, are, are, are heaven sent. Um, that being said, I, you know, I've, I've uh, had a lot of uh, what uh, Filipinos refer to as lechon. Um, you know, your, your pork belly or your pork cooked over over an open coal with a with hand turning on bamboo, and I think it's unbelievable. It's absolutely beautiful. But, uh, yeah, it's much easier on a motor. Um Feel like you got a little bit more control. Um, you can adjust your height, and, and you know it just becomes a little bit easier. Um, as much as I'd love to hand hand turn, um, yeah, it's it's just so much easier with that motor. A little bit more control. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, what is the trickiest thing that you've ever tried to cook? Um, look, in terms of trickiness, I, I still, tend, you know, brisket's still one of those cooks that, you know. 98% of the time I can get right, but there's always that small room for error, just the nature of the the, the cut to begin with. Um, you've sort of got your back against the wall to, before you've even started. Um, it's a tricky cut, and I think if you you do it right, you, you can be the hero, but if you if you stuff it up, you know, it's, it's pretty much egg on your face. You know, the amount of briskets I've cooked and, you know, for, for events and had to throw two or three of them and you know, it's just it could be it could be a bit depressing, um, but you know that's that's barbecue and that's that's cooking brisket, I guess. So you know, people will always think that brisket's the uh, the, uh, you know, the grandfather of all meats and the, the king, but you know, there's a lot of room for error. Yeah, for sure. So where's that line for you where you do say, you know what, this brisket's got to go in the bin? Um, the line for me is if I cut in and you know it's dry. Um, 
I, I don't serve it. Um, yeah, I know Hillbilly um, on a previous previous uh, confessional spoke about the cutter or the, the slicer being the most important part of the restaurant. That's true, you know. Can either make or break a, a good barbecue experience for someone. Um, that's not to say that if I was cooking it at home, I wouldn't use it for something, uh, chopped brisket or you know, something like that. But yeah, some briskets are just like, no, I can't serve that. Um, I wouldn't eat it myself, so I can't expect anyone else to. Yeah, fair enough. So, what's your origin story, mate? How were you first introduced to Low and Slow? Oh, okay, so my brother, my brother resides in Texas. Um, so, I guess Low and Slow for me sort of started out um, on a trip over to over to the states. I've always sort of been very interested in in Americana. Uh, really, yeah, you know, I had vintage cars and stored cars, and I used to do rock and roll dancing, and been really into uh, you know, I guess uh, the culture of yesteryear in, in the states and natural progression. Sort of went over there with uh, with, with my fiance and, and went to a few barbecue joints through Nashville. Um, decided to make a bit of a pilgrimage um, through Nashville, through Tennessee, down to Texas. Um, went to a few barbecue joints in Texas and just went, wow, this is, um, this is pretty, this is something special. Um, always cooked at home, uh, always cooked a lot. Uh, I was known for my burgers, you know, American style burgers all the time. Um, and then just, yeah, after, after hitting it over there, I just went, no, I've got to, I've got to do something about this and really being inspired by Texas barbecue, um, you know, I, I take a lot from other other you know places in the states, but Texas barbecue is sort of where my heart is. And my brother living there was just sort of this connection, I guess, between the, the state and the barbecue um, and and family. Yeah, right. So is he barbecue mad as well? Um, he takes it for granted. Um, I think. <laughs> I guess you would so after ready. a while, like living in yeah. Texas and having it available to you just all the time. Yeah, it's readily available. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily need to be good barbecue, um, but it's readily available regardless. You know, there's truck stop barbecue that I've guiltily eaten and it's felt am- it still tastes really good. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, your, your Lockhart's or anything like that, but it's not a bad, you know, it's, it's better than a lot of places, other places I've eaten. So yeah, I think it's, um, he, he likes barbecue. He likes it, but probably... Yeah, there's just so much more option over there, you know. So given that you spend uh, all day, every day in a barbecue shop, how have you seen trends change over the last few years? Yeah, so I think the people changing a lot from, you know, using solid fuel, like like gas. Uh, sorry, using solid fuel and then not gas. Um, I think it's, you know, the nature of low and slow, uh, it's become a little bit more mainstream. Um, it, it what was a counterculture um, to the the world of gas cooking on gas and cooking on those sort of fuels. Um, has now become a little bit more like every counterculture. It becomes a little bit more mainstream. Um, I think people are using spits on the weekend um, barbecue, and rather than actually using a spit or or a barbecue as a for an event, and that's all they do once a year or twice a year. Uh, they're using it more often. Um, you know, I think 
the perception of cooking over charcoal has changed um, with things like, you know, charcoal starter ones that we produce and loof lighters and the ways of lighting charcoal because that's usually the catch, you know, the, the, the sticking point is, oh, it just takes too long, you know, and now that it's become easier to cook over charcoal, I think we're going back to that. Um, it, we, we, you know, we are, uh, in my line of work, we're sort of charcoal advocates, Um Although we do have a, a gas item, you know, we, we are charcoal advocates and I think people are starting to become that way as well. Um, it's just a it's a nicer way to cook. People realise once they get flavour, once they start tasting things, they're, they're hooked um, and they just want to keep doing it and doing it and doing it. Yeah, right. So has it reached the point yet where your charcoal units are outselling your gas units? Uh, yeah, by far. Oh, wow. Um yeah, I think charcoal, like, gas is easy. Um, you know, gas can be used inside. <laughs> you know, I feel like sometimes if you want to cook on gas, you just, you know, go into the kitchen or have an outdoor kitchen. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think uh, it's that, it's, it's the nature of cooking over charcoal, um, the the flavour, the experience. Uh, for me personally, it's, it's quite primal. Um there's, there's a bit of romanticism around cooking with something so natural and flame that, that awakens something in a lot of people, and especially myself. You know, it, it's addictive. Um, the food comes secondary for me. Um, you know, that's it's great. It's a byproduct of the actual process, um, and I think a lot of people are, are liking the process now um, rather than just the end result. And the process of cooking over charcoal compared to cooking over gas is just, you know, chalk and cheese. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Now, I have memories from the early 80s of my father cooking in a Weber over charcoal. Very vague memories. And then it's just gas, 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 gas. It's been about 30 years now until sort of charcoal has made a return. Do you think we're going to see gas barbecues suddenly become the counterculture in like 2048? Uh, you know, I think... It's it's strange because uh, I mean I like uh, as much as American low and slow and you know that way of cooking is my you know where my heart is. I I absolutely love all forms of charcoal cooking and and go you know a bit of a nerd. So when it comes to anything new and charcoal related, I just research the hell out of it, go out and want to do it. Um, so I'm on a bit of a um, asado kick at the moment and wanting to do everything uh, Argentinian and Brazilian barbecue. And that's the thing. Like, all these cultures have been using charcoal for so much more longer than us. And, um, you know, I feel as if that's just going to keep happening. We're going we're gonna to experience all these different foods, all these ways to cook over charcoal. And, and gas will dwindle. Like, don't think it'll be the counterculture. Uh, it's, just, it's just so easy. I understand people's you know it's just so much easier but i think once they try charcoal um they're hooked they don't want to go back to gas that's not to say that people won't still use gas like it's it's, it is portable it's it's a little bit easier than charcoal at times don't get me wrong um but i just don't see it yeah i don't don't see it making a a boom (laughs) a, a resurgence well, let's cross fingers, mate, because I don't particularly want to see it come back either. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Now, I'm going to hit you with another bit of a controversial one. There seems to be a constant running argument on Facebook about pellet smokers versus offset smokers. Can you give us a rundown on the advantages and disadvantages of each to help the listeners make up their minds? Yeah, look, 
I, I, my personal preference is obviously, you know, a, a, a charcoal offset or a, or a stick burner. Um, that's just me personally. Um, when it comes to, uh, you know, needs and wants, it's a completely different thing. Um, each have got their pros and cons. Um, look, pros is it's it's easy to cook on a pellet grill or, or you know something like that. Um, it's convenience for me. Flavor, it's all about flavor. It's all about process. Some people want the end result without working for it, and some people want the end result and and putting in the yards for it and feeling like they've they've accomplished something. Um, for me, I'm very much in in that you know that regard. But in saying that, um, a bit of exclusive. We want to keep a bit hush hush. I can't say too much more, but we're working on a new smoker that's going to, um, yeah, sort of hit the market as a convenience of a pellet grill, but uh, still the same flavour, and still being able to cook on a a, a a fuel like charcoal and wood. So it's something in the pipeline that we're working on, and. You guys got the exclusive. Yeah, we've been able to mention it, but it is something where it's in the pipeline and it should be out this year at some point. That sounds very interesting. I'll be keeping a keen eye on that for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, look, pellet grills are great. Don't get me wrong; I know people that use them. Um, If you ask me how I feel about them in the competition world, that's a different story altogether. But at home, I can understand absolutely for ease. Um, Yeah, absolutely. Well, seeing as you brought it up, how do you feel about pellet smokers in the competition circuit? Look, I I, I can see why they're being used. Uh, look, I, I sort of tell a lot of people who ask about competition barbecue, they ask what the most important thing is, and it's sleep, without a doubt. Um, <laughs> you, make, you make a lot of stupid decisions. I mean, look, I've made stupid decisions in competition barbecue because of lack of sleep. Um, your judgment's not there. You know, a lot, a lot could be said for it at least a decent night's sleep. And um, pellet grills, I can understand why they're being used, um, but I, I'm not a fan of them in competition. I just think it's a little bit – you're not working for it. It's a little bit of a set and forget. Um, maybe it's just a purist in me um, wanting to burn you know, burn wood and, and, and man and man an offset uh, or man, man a stick burner. I just feel it is a little bit more authentic, and I thought that's what competition barbecue is about for me. Yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. My, But on the other hand, my father used to race rally cars when he was younger, and the rally yeah. cars were all you know carburetor-driven, of course, and all that sort of stuff. And the modern cars now are all computer-controlled, four-wheel drive, uh, electronic fuel injection, blah, 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 blah. Why are we so keen to embrace the modern technology in sports like rally driving, for example, but there's such a resistance to it in the world of barbecue. Yeah, that's, a, that's an awesome point. Um, you know, especially that's a really good point to come from a bit of a mechanical background in, in, in a sense. Um, you're right. I think, you know, if, if you were to like it, a pellet grill is sort of like the, you know, the fuel injected and uh, your stick burn is a carby. Um, I just feel as though there's so much tradition. Well, I mean, there's tradition in every every sport, but there's so much really you know deep tradition in barbecue um, that it's more about the nature of cooking with a flame and seeing that flame and, and trying to tame it and control it. And I think anything that comes past and, and changes that, there's always going to be that resistance. 
there was going to be that, ah, oh, not not for me. And and I think in the competition world, I think us offset guys get a little bit a little bit uptight about it um, because they win competitions. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> um, you know, you never want to be beaten by one. Um, it's incredibly humbling when you are though, because you're sort of like, wow, all right, what are they doing that I'm not? Um, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I mean, look, I think I think a lot of people would agree with me, and a lot of people probably disagree with me. I think there's always going to be that argument. Yeah, I think so. I I I think you've summed it up quite well. So while we're talking about different types of grills and 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 how they're built, they say you can have things done quickly, cheaply, and with high quality, but you can only pick two. So how can listeners choose the right barbecue for them? Look, for me, it's um, you know I'm very much I need. Uh, about service for me as well. Um, you know, when I walk into a, any any store or any anywhere, and not even I'm not talking online here. That's a totally different ball game. But you know, suss out people that are using them. Um, you know, if that salesperson or whoever you're speaking to is just reading off a script, and you can tell that. You know, it's are they using it? Do they do they know what that grill's about? Are they going to be able to answer your questions constantly? Uh, one thing, my customers or our customers um, do is, I mean, look, we're forever offering services of, you know, online tutorials, um, masterclasses, you know, really promote, not just promoting the product, but promoting the service behind it, teaching you how to use it um, and standing by the product. So that's number one for me, you know, is it something that's, you know, you're going to get that service? Are you going to get that after sales service and length of warranty? Um, is huge, you know. Um, I think, you know, anyone that's going to back their product, you know, somewhere I would go with, um, that's that's a big one as well. That's great that you uh, offer those those value-add services to your customers. I think that often makes the difference between, uh, you know, where people choose to purchase. So, you know, what's the, the uptake rate on those value-add services, like the, the online classes and the master classes? Well, for me, it's more about creating the community. Um, I look at it as a clientele base. So my background isn't my background's a lot in retail. So I worked for um, you know high end men's fashion retail, believe it or not, for a few years. And for me, it's about creating an experience and creating fostering a culture and fostering a community, um, and being able to offer a service to someone that's genuine. And they'll keep coming back. Um, and not I don't necessarily even want them coming back to spend money. I just want them coming back because I want that community. I want to be bouncing ideas off people. Um, I want to be able to help them on their journey. Um, like case in point, one of my teammates in the team, he started off as a customer. Um, in starting off in the world of low and slow and sold him his first barbecue and saw him every Friday since. Um, and that's the sort of culture I like to... Uh, promote is community and when we do have our master classes um, it's about there's no secrets in barbecue um, as much as people want to go I use this and I use that and I, like, it's a secret injection or it's a secret this year at the end of the day you still have to cook it um, there's no real secrets in barbecue I tell them all the time you know this is this is what I do and this is what works for me you can go and carbon copy it and see if it works for you but if it doesn't come back and we'll try something something different, you know. So giving them that service and giving them – and genuinely caring, I think, is the main one for us uh, as a company. We 
sort of have a, a customer service approach where we have, you know, these are our ideals. We want to impart something, uh, I guess, our, our knowledge and our experience and, and help customers through their journey. Mate, that's fantastic. Building a community is is definitely part of, of building up any kind of uh, brand in this modern world. So what do you see as being the future of the barbecue scene? Um, I think the, I think it'll drop off a little. Um, I think there will be uh, it is it is definitely the the in thing. Uh, it's the flavour of the month. I think there'll still be a lot of a lot of us, you know, really still pushing it. A lot of us are charcoal advocates or, or, or you know, low and slow advocates out there, uh, like the ABA. They'll just keep growing, but I think there will be a lot of people. Unfortunately, getting into it and not having that that support um, and finding it too difficult and dropping off. Um, I think that's just the nature of, of the human race. Sometimes we just find things tough and give up. Um, so I think I think it'll 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 drop off a little bit, but it'll always have a strong base. Um, and I think that's what it's about having strong foundations. I mean, like the company has been around for a while now. Um, and you know, people have been cooking over. I mean, the Greek, the Greek community been cooking over charcoal since day dot. Spit roasting's been huge since day dot. So I still think there's going to be that community, um, whether it be because of you know a cultural thing, um, or it's just you know purely out of the love of it. This is Bretto from the Flaming Mongrels, and you're listening to Smoking Hot Confessions. If you're looking to get behind an Australian company that gets behind Australians, you need to check out Pitt Brothers Barbecue. They're a Brisbane-based business that are known for supporting our returned servicemen and women. They have three pre-blended rubs and 15 individual ingredients, making it super easy for you to create your own unique taste sensation. My personal favourite is the rosemary, lemon and sea salt rub. It's sensational on chicken wings with a sweet barbecue sauce. They also stock premium Gigi lump charcoal, which is grown and cooked in Queensland. While 2017 has been a big year, 2018 is going to be even bigger. They're launching a custom-designed offset smoker, three premium gravies, and are working with competition teams to develop some special new rub blends, such as Porkapalooza by the Smoke and Sappers. You can keep up with all the Pit Brothers news on Facebook and Instagram by following at PitBroBBQ. Right now, they're offering an exclusive deal for you Smoking Hot Confessions listeners. Head on over to pitbrothersbarbecue.com.au, that's P-I-T-B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S-B-B-Q, and use the word confessions at checkout for a 10% discount. Once again, use confessions at checkout to get your 10% discount. Thanks for sticking around for segment two, Cameron. In this segment, we're going to tackle some barbecue business questions, getting into the background behind barbecue spits and rotisseries. So to kick it off, can you tell me the backstory of barbecue spits and rotisseries? Yeah, so barbecue spit rotisseries um, started uh, just over 11 years ago um, by our founder and um, CEO, Tony Tevineris and Rhiannon Peterson. Um, They're a couple. Tony's family had a Greek restaurant um, in Melbourne and a winery, and they will forever make a gyro, which is a... I guess the, the layman's term would be gyro, um, but it, it, traditionally it's called gyro, and it's a you know it's a meat that like a kebab, 
virtually easiest way to describe it. And they were making it, making it. And Tony was toying around with. So Tony's a very much a, the engineer. Um, he comes up with the new barbecues, and he's the technical guy who comes up with all the ideas and improvements. Um, and he was coming up with these ideas, and people were really liking the spits, and decided to sort of go into small production and um, sort of flash forward to about. Five, six years ago, we uh, our, our owners decided that it's time to really boost it and um, did what they need to do to actually buy a factory in China to produce uh, flaming coals, or, and that's our brand, um, and only produce flaming coals. Wow. They actually bought the factory in China. Yeah, so we own, we own full production and manufacturing. Um, and, and it's funny because a lot of people here, it's made in China, but... Um, You'd be quite surprised what you can get out of some a factory in China when you when you buy it yourself when you can own full production. Yeah, I've seen. Um, I was at Port Macquarie last year, and I was talking to Wizards of Q, and they've got one of your flaming coals uh, offsets. Yeah. And I yeah. honestly, that was the first time that I'd seen one, and they gave me a walk around and talked me through it. And uh, I would not have picked that as being made in China, given what I've seen of other products that are made in China? No. So look, what we try to do, we try to take, if it's an existing product, then we use it. We're forever trying to, okay, what can we do? Um, we use this. What What's version 2.0? What's version 2.1? What's the next version? Where, where are we taking this? Forever evolving. And we're able to do that because we own our own factory. Um, there's no limitations. Um, you know, if we want something produced, and it's it's going to be it. We know it's going to work. We can do it. Um, and I think that's what sort of I'd like to think makes it a bit unique. That's so cool. That's so cool. Now you mentioned that you have a background in retail. How has your yes. background in retail helped you run the barbecue shop? Um. So yeah, I've been retail most of my life um, in various roles, from merchandising to managing to yeah just about anything <laughs> under that umbrella and uh, customer service um, for me is key. And I think in a, in a, in a digital world, I think the face is starting to, we're losing our, the face of, of, of a business. We're losing that friendly hello. Um, and that's something I like to inject back into, into a business. Um, approachable, knowing that, you know, at the click of a button, that there is someone there. Um, we we run a twenty four hour service, so um, after hours you can call at three in the morning and get my boss. Um, don't tell her I said that, but you can. <laughs> um, but that's the sort of service that we try to offer. And for myself, that's just, that helps. Um, you know, things like I we've introduced sort of you know, customers who tend uh, who buy a certain product, I'll send them a short video just explaining and not pre recorded, just me picking up the phone and sending them a video of, you know, this is the unit and really glad that you bought it and here's here's a shout out and let me know what you think. And I think that takes the that that facelessness away from it. Um and that's what's I you know, I found really really uh my experience in retail being, you know, that's helped it a lot. So what you're saying is that you customize the after-sales experience? Yeah, yeah, we do. Um, you know, it, I think that's important. 
Um, and it definitely helped from my background in, in you know, one-on-one customer service um, to bring that in for the company and, and really try to push that um, because it's something people remember. Um, I mean, we've all bought things online or on Amazon and just got that confirmation email, but I think it's something different when you get that personalized one-on-one Hey, I'm a person you just bought off because people buy from like-minded people. I think that's a, you know, there's a psychology around that. Yeah, for sure. That's so cool. So, can you run me through what a what a day in the life is for you? Cool. Um, so, coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, next to barbecue, I think coffee is probably my next obsession. Um, just yeah, double shot espresso in the morning, then off to work. Um, I am sort of head of the, I'm the first person you'll generally speak to in the company. Um, so I man the phones, I man online chat. So we have an online chat facility on our website, um, where you can ask a question and it's live and you will get an answer from me. Um, so I can help you with any of the decisions or anything. And if I don't know it, I find it out on the spot. Um, answering emails, uh, helping the customers in the store. Uh, I manage the social media account, so any online content comes through me. Um, generally, planning planning for masterclasses or planning events. Um, there's never, ever, ever a quiet time. Um, forever, what's next? What are we planning? Uh, what are we building on? Um, definitely that... That old saying: If you if you don't if you're not growing, you're dying. So, looking for the next thing, you know. Oh, okay, there's a product I've used out there that I really like. Let's bring it in. All right. What's the steps around bringing that in? What do we need to do? So, forever trying to source products, forever trying to, and and, and somewhere in there, cook. Um, there's a lot of cooking at work too. So, it's never a dull moment. But probably, yeah, wouldn't have it any other way. I get to talk barbecue every day, so. Really, you know, I'm the envy of a lot of people. I think. I'd imagine so, mate. It, it, I don't think. Uh, I don't think it gets much better than that. Get to hang out in a barbecue shop all day, play with all the toys, and talk with all the people. I think it sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a dream job. Um, absolutely, it's uh, definitely not something I take for granted either. You know, I remind myself every day that I wake up, and I'm like, you know, I actually want to go to work today. <laughs> There's not been a moment I've gone, oh, I don't want to go to work. Um, yeah, and I think that's when you realize that you find a job you love, you just don't feel like you're working. And that that's exactly it. I don't feel like I'm at work. I just feel like I'm doing what comes naturally. Yeah, for sure. So what personal traits do you need to run a barbecue shop? Um, first and foremost, be, be approachable. Um, don't profess to know it all. Um, you know, I think I think there can be a bit of a snobbery around barbecue, you know. Oh, I do this and I do that, and I know this and I know that. Um, but that's that's not, you know, per se. I think that's any good unless you're going to share that knowledge um, and help people. So really, you know, have that personality trait to begin with is good. Um, and in wanting people to succeed in their, in you know whatever their endeavor is to come into the shop, you know, if they just want to buy charcoal, yeah, cool. Let them know the charcoal they're buying and let them ask them what they're cooking. You know, actually be interested um, because I genuinely am interested. Um, I love hearing about people's stories. Um, 
you know, we spend a lot of time educating. Um, so, you know, wanting to educate people is a big one and actually being able to competent enough to write, you know, blog posts and, and how, you know, not being afraid to jump in front of the video and, and speak about a product. Um, yeah, and just be, I think the number one thing, you can have all the products in the world, but actually being approachable and wanting to help people is is what's going to make you succeed. That's interesting that you say that. I was uh, working at a university a few years ago and uh, there were a couple of people there who were lecturing, had PhDs and that. And I very quickly learned that just being an expert doesn't make you a good teacher. No, absolutely not. I think it's a personality trait. You know, um, I've always wanted, like my, my last job, well, yeah, I, I sort of sued at wedding parties and, and got wedding parties ready for, for their big, biggest day, if not the biggest day of their life. Um, and going above and beyond, um, you know, the company expectation and actually genuinely wanting to help them and, and care about them. Um, yeah, and it's not, doesn't come out of ego for me anyway, and I, and I think people can see through that. It, it comes out of actually caring. They, they're taking the time to come in to see you. Um, so have a bit of respect and show them that you're all ears and you're, you're there to help them and you want to help them. Beautiful. Love it. So what do people need to consider before opening a shop of their own? Um, be ready to put in the hard yards. Um, I think any business, um, I know my owner, Rhiannon, um, she's phenomenal. I'm not just saying that because she's my big boss. She actually is phenomenal. Um, forever, she, she's forever wanting to improve herself and improve the business. So having drive is a big thing. Um, loving barbecue is probably, you know, a pretty big one. Actually loving what you do. If you're going to bring in product, um, you don't manufacture, um, don't bring in everything. You know, don't profess to have the biggest rub and source collection, you know, in the world. Um, cause that, that can alienate consumers. You know, there's too much to pick from. I don't know. Um, keep it basic, keep it simple. And then grow from there. Um, and, and the assistance, you know, if, if you want to be the face of the business, make sure that you're ready to be the face of the business and take the good with the bad and, and want to help people. If you don't want to be, if you don't think you can do that, get someone that can um, because that's your reputation on the line and that's your name and you really want to be able to, um, you know, give the best you can. And if you're not ready for that, yeah, don't, don't open a barbecue store. Yeah. Mate, I want to pick one of the points that you just brought up there. You mentioned to yeah. to keep things simple so that the public don't feel overwhelmed. How do you choose which barbecues to sell in the shop? Um, if we manufacture, we listen to customers a lot. Um, you know, they they make suggestions. Like our clientele base are ninety percent of the upgrades or, or new new product. Um, because they're the ones using them. If we're using them, we would make suggestions as well, which we do. But we're offering a service, and they're the ones coming back and going, "You know what? This would be good." And if and if it's a genuine suggestion, something that we think is going to improve, or we all have the meeting, um, we'll look at it. Absolutely, I think it's something that that's the evolution. That's where we need as a business we evolve. Um, 
you know, we want we want our customers to feel that they have a say as well, and they're going to enjoy it, and they're going to keep coming back and going, oh, that's that's awesome, that's that's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's important, you know. And if you're not going to manufacture or produce your own, which you know, ideally, not every company can. It doesn't have to be the the Rolls Royce that you're selling. Um. But it, you need to be able to believe in it and be able to, you know, have have enough passion to to push that product. Um, don't bring in every other every you know stick burner under the sun and every charcoal barbecue you can think of, um, because it's just you know you alienate people. You just got to pick those ones that you you know that are going to work. Have some conviction. I think is the main one. Have some conviction. I like that. I like that. Now, we're seeing a lot of similar designs come into the market as people try and put their own spin on things. Is customization important? Yeah, it is. Um, like I, I know I've mentioned, but I think cus- us customizing is easy, easy-ish. I mean, from from idea to production, there's a lot of steps. Don't get me wrong, but we, we can facilitate that. Um, so customization is important. Um, being able to customize something, absolutely. You know, I get asked weird and wonderful custom, you know, ideas and some come through and some don't. Um, like one of the, the, the idea I spoke about in the past segment about um, a little something coming out to the market, I alluded to that's that's from a customer suggestion and also a cooking suggestion from, from the team. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it, it is important. Um, being able to customize your cook and your experience is something that it feels personal. So that's what you want. Yeah. And so carrying on from that, how important are value adds like rubs and sauces and that sort of thing? Yeah. Um, look, most salesmen will go, you know, it's they'll walk you through the store and go, this is what you need you know, and, and add on a million one things. Um, I think our experience that, when you experience our store, we're, we're not like that. We get to the nitty gritty of what you're doing. Um, you know, I think we've all had that buyer's regret where we get home and go, why did I even buy this? You know, why did I buy the, the pain protection on my car? It's, it's a, you know, a bit of a farce. Um, value adds in our company are very much based on customer to customer basis. Um, so I get to the, I get to the nitty gritty of what they're doing, what they're cooking. And I show them, you know, this is what I use. This is what I do. Um, and it's never a lie because it's usually I've uh, used every product in the store. So it's, you know, everyone's got their own, okay, I don't like too much heat. Okay, yep, not a problem. I've had to cook something with not much heat in it. This is what I would use and this is what I would do. Um, so the value add, I guess with myself personally, it doesn't really feel like an ad. It feels more like, a service more than anything, being able to help them. Yeah, that's a nice perspective on that. I like that. So what's something that you know now that you wish you knew when you started? <laughs> um, oh, geez, the list you could, uh, you could produce. Um, how addictive barbecue would be <laughs> would be my number one. Um, for me, it's egotistical in a way that I, I love that reaction when I give someone a bit of barbecue and there is just silence 
because they're just, they've never had that before. Um, and it boosted me. You know, oh, geez, I, I, I did well that time. <laughs> um, I think, you know, everyone that's worked for our company, everyone that works for our company has put on weight <laughs> from, from cooking. So that's how addictive it can be. Um, so maybe, maybe a gym membership would have been good. Um, I think being able to take risks is something I've learned. Um, and I, you know, I wish I had of being able to have a bit of hindsight before and gone, uh, not second guess myself when it came into like, I second guess myself so many times coming into this industry. Would it, would it be right for me? And I'm glad that I did, but I'm glad I didn't. I'm, I wish I had done it earlier. Um, yeah, I think, I guess I'm pretty grateful for the company taking me on, but you know, it's, it's, I wish I had have known how addicted I would have got really early on, um, sleepless nights, um, you know, not even sleepless nights from catering or events, sleepless nights from, Hey, I've got to cook tomorrow. What do I, this is what I've got to do and planning it out. Um, I think we've all had every barbecue has been in that position. Um, yeah, it's just it's such an addictive, addictive sport or, or pastime. So overall, how would you rate running a barbecue retail shop? Look, it's it's an amazing experience. Um, I get to help people, or we get to help people, um, put on a show for their friends and family. Um, you know, when we sell a spit rotisserie, it's usually a large spit rotisserie. It's, hey, I'm cooking a lamb for, you know, Orthodox Easter or I'm cooking a, a lamb for Australia Day. What do I need to do? And you get to help them and almost become part of the experience. Um, you need to, you know, and you become, like I said before, that, that, that culture. Um, that's, that's amazing. I think, um, I think it's an amazing experience and having those people smile and come back in and go, Hey, it was awesome. That's the most amazing feeling knowing that you've been able to help them in such a, such a, a, they're on show, you know, it's a, it could be a nervous time for them. Um, that's probably, you know, I, I, I think that makes my job alone. Um, it's an amazing, amazing job to have. You're listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with barbecue pitmaster Ben Arnott. Big thanks go out to Jagged Woodfired for helping me bring you this episode. Buying a smoker can be confusing. Something for low and slow, something for roasting, a pizza oven. What about baking? The Jagged Woodfired smoker does all of these things. The question is how? First, the entire smoker is fully insulated. The firebox is insulated with kiln-grade bricks and there are more on the cooking chamber floor, doubling as a pizza stone. The cooking chamber is then insulated with a 6cm or 2.5 inch insulation blanket. This means that the Jagged can get up to 600 degrees Fahrenheit in under 30 minutes, sit at low and slow temperatures using very little fuel, and will even sit well under 200 Fahrenheit for cold smoking. Jagged wants to make sure you have a very happy new year, and so until the end of December 2017, they're offering an exclusive discount for you Smoking Hot Confessions podcast listeners. Use the code word CONFESSIONS at checkout if buying online, or quote it when dealing with them direct for 15% off your purchase price. 
head on over to jaggedoutdoorovens.com, spelled J-A-G-R-D, to learn more. Okie dokie, Cameron, we're now ready to start segment three, and we've got some fantastic listener questions lined up here. So uh, let's get stuck in, shall we? Yeah, go for it. Hi, this is Kitty from the Gold Coast. Um, I've got a message for Cameron, or Christian. Um, look, we're going to design our backyard space again. Um, so just wondering what you think we should consider for our barbecue needs or what anybody should look at um, investing in for the backyard. Yeah, look, that's um, that's a question that comes up a lot um, because we're sort of everyone's sort of moving to the uh, to the outdoors and wanting to entertain outdoors. I think um, number one is are you going to be using that area a lot, and is it something somewhere you're entertaining guests close by? Um, as in, you know, are you going to be right near where you're cooking? Um, in that case, maybe, and you know, this is rarely that I would say this, maybe gas would be best for you. You don't want a lot of heat coming off the grill. and Or on the opposite, is it an experience for your guests? You know, um, it's something that they enjoy and you know they enjoy and you'd love a charcoal grill or you'd love a charcoal barbecue. Um, or you want many barbecues, you know, a bit of a, a bit of a man cave or an outdoor experience for your guests. Um, I think you really need to weigh up how much space you have and what the function of that area is, um, is really important. Cameron, hi, this is Leanne from the Gold Coast. I'd like to know, is there any food you wish you'd never tried to stick on a, a spit roast? Thank you. Um, yeah, pineapple. <laughs> um, really strange. I think the first time I tried to do a bit of like an asado Brazilian Argentinian uh, pineapple, it just, yeah, it just fell off and it was a bit, bit embarrassing. But, um, Look, I'll put on anything weird and wonderful onto a spit or onto, you know, a barbecue. Um, yeah, there's not much out there that I've, I've sort of haven't put on there. G'day, Ben. It's Michael, Big Willie from Badass Barbecue in Sydney. My question for Cameron. I'd like to know what Cameron thinks about the whole retail landscape when it comes to low and slow barbecue. There's obviously been a huge uptake of low and slow. We're seeing it. What's his thoughts on it? Where does he think it'll go next? What sort of different barbecues do you think will be available in Australia in 2018? Thanks, mate. Talk soon. <laughs> Willie. Um, well, the man himself. Um, uh, look, I think it's a massive, massive uptake. I think I, I personally can see a lot of... Look, I went from selling a couple of bags of charcoal a week to sometimes a pallet a week of charcoal. So that's sometimes... 20 to 40 bags. It just depends on the palate. Um, so it's huge. It's, uh, charcoal cooking in low and slow is absolutely massive. Um, where I see it going, um, like I said earlier, I think there'll be a bit of a drop-off, um, but I still think it'll have its core uh, core followers. And I think you know, coming up in the next couple of years, apart from the uh, amazing uh, unit that we're going to be bringing in, um, I think we'll, we'll get a lot more easy items. Uh, people, you know, Wanting the, like I said earlier, the the flavour and the the overall result without the work, and I think there'll be some more of a set and forgets on the market for some peculiar reason. But you know, each to his own. What do you think are going to be the odds of seeing a pellet style stick burner? So you load like a hopper full of sticks, and every twenty minutes or whenever it detects a temperature drop, it drops another stick on. I think that'd be an awesome idea. I think that would be. Um, yeah, that's 
that might be have to get copyrighted. No, it's, yeah. that's a really cool, really cool idea. Um, it's just about, I think it's about the, um, the manufacturing and the, probably the product, uh, development side of things would be, yeah, it's definitely, definitely, I think there's some great producers in Australia that could get something like that done. Yeah. I think the first person to get that off the ground would be onto a winner for sure. Yeah. Yeah. G'day, Cameron. It's Nigel Coates calling from the Gold Coast. Just a quick question, mate. As I know, the barbecue scene is evolving. Are there any new barbecues being released soon that you're excited about? And what should I be keeping an eye out for? Thanks, mate. Uh, yeah, great question. Um, Nigel, I think the unit that we're going to be bringing out is going to, um, it's going to, I think, basically fill a gap in the market where where it's quite a big gap. Um in terms of pricing and in terms of functionality. Um, it's definitely something I'd look out for. So definitely, look, if you're not on a mailing list or you're not checking the website, go and check because we will be, you know, putting more announcements up. But it's definitely a unit that I'd, I would, well, I'm excited for and I know we're producing it. So I, I'm, I think everyone else will be equally excited when they find out. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to hearing more. I can't believe we can't talk about it right now. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a bit frustrated. <laughs> it, it sounds really yeah, interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm under some pretty strict instructions. There has been some leaked information to some parties, but you know that's yeah, it's it's a little it's a little bit Pentagon at the moment. Ah, uh, I'll go do a Google search for Flaming Coals WikiLeak. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, well that could be next. Yeah, and it'll be bloody someone like Rosie or something getting onto it. I know we Big Willie will get onto it. Yeah. Hi, Cameron. This is Andrew from Ipswich. Um, given that you get to see all the different designs of barbecues on the markets, what would you include on your own barbecue if money were no object? Thanks. Oh, geez. Um, oh, probably a, a open pit um, that's got asado grill options and, you know, um, lacrosse or asado cross um, and a spit rotisserie. I would just pimp it right out um if money was no option that would be my and portable of course you know on a trailer uh that would be my yeah my number one you know there was some great units in the south of texas where my brother lives that um some great ideas of you know introducing introducing uh barbacoa or you know mexican barbecue along with a bit of low and slow it was just yeah mind-blowing the units i saw and i'd love to you know chuck a whole heap of money and, and have one built yeah, it's interesting to see some of the fusion that's sort of coming out of that area now with the uh, with that uh, Hispanic influence with the Texan barbecue. It's it's really fascinating to see. It, it's super exciting, um, and then you know people like Jess Proles out there, um, you know, really showing people what you know that fusion can be like um, is is really refreshing, um, especially in, in the south of Texas, where like San Antonio, where my brother is, and really having those influences and seeing the different ways um it's, it's really cool really really cool to, and exciting to see cameron my name is alan and i'm from bribey island i'd like to know what is the most popular meat that people cook on a spit roast thanks um really great question actually there's there's no one popular meat um, it all it all comes down to cultural. Uh, there's a lot of cultural um, 
popularities in terms of meat. So I think you know the most most common would be would be lamb um, throughout you know Eastern Europe all the way through to the Middle East. Um, but yeah, look, your main two are your your, your pork and your lamb. Um, they're the two most common and most popular. Yes, it's uh, Chris from Mike here for you. Cameron, what goes into making a good quality spit? Yeah, good question, Chris. Um, for for us as manufacturers, a good quality spit should, you know, it should not just serve the one function of the spit rotisserie. It should be able to grill on it and, and do a few things. Um, it should have, you know, a decent. If you're going to use a spit rotisserie, it should have a decent enough single drive motor. Um, that is going to be able to turn that load. And if it doesn't, you should be able to option that out and be able to put a bigger motor on. Um, core designs don't really change from spit rotisseries, um, virtually two poles and a base. Um, but it should be thick enough that it can take heat and it should really be, you know, at least, at least one to two mil thick, at least. You're talking about the the tray on the bottom of it. Yeah, the body itself. Um, you know, there's there's all sort of ways around it. Um, you know, without getting into the structure of building a a, a, yeah, a spit, but you know, the, the core things are you know, the motor, the spit pole itself. It should be you know, if it's over say 1.2 meters, would you know, I'd prefer it to be solid, and it should um, should have a decent enough base on it too that it can take a little bit of heat. Hi, this is Linda from New South Wales. Cameron, with the ever-growing popularity of barbecue stores, what's your advice on standing out from the competition? Um, someone once told me, uh, that's a great question, by the way. Someone once told me that you can't, you, you don't compete on price, you compete on service. And I know I keep drumming on about service, but I think that's number one. You can have two identical products at the same price, but it's the service and it's the expertise and it's that helpfulness that's going to make you stand out. Um, wear your morals and your heart on your sleeve, you know, business morals, I think. Um, wear them on your sleeve and be proud of of what you achieve and make it, you know, be passionate. I think that's the number one thing. Be passionate and just care about your job, you know, Um I don't think, yeah, like I said earlier, there hasn't been a dull day. There hasn't been a day where I wanted to, you know, throw it in. So just, yeah, enjoy what you do. Um, and that'll make you stand out automatically. Yeah, yeah, Ben, Cameron, Rowan from Bar- uh, Rowan Slow Barbecue Team, Tasmania. Just got a quick question. Uh, Cameron, I was just wondering if people are leaning more towards buying smokers with the personalised service, like in-store from retail outlets, or whether you're finding people are actually um, tending to sort of go online and and just buy them themselves. Thanks, guys. All the best. Cheers. That's an awesome question. Um, that's really hit a point of um, online retail. So we do a lot of business online, um, quite a bit. I'm, I'm, off the top of my head, I couldn't tell you the percentages. We're the, actually the biggest online spit retailer in Australia. We're Google accredited. The very first barbecue store in Australia to be Google accredited. Uh, which is uh, an amazing accomplishment, but it means we do a lot of online sales. 
So, yes, people will click in, you know, a bit of click frenzy. Um, but that doesn't mean the personalized service can't be there in store. Um, like I said earlier, I, I send um, I send videos through this this app um, that are personalized so to show them that there is a face there that has saw your order and is excited for you to be cooking. And I want to see what you're cooking. Um, I think that's, you know, and we, we call our customers before sending anything out. That's no mean feat. It's, it's actually quite, quite intense. We have one person in the morning that calls everyone for the orders the night before, just checking their address, checking what they're cooking and checking, making sure they've got the right thing, making sure that they've bought what they need. Um, because the last thing we want is that it gets there the day that they need to cook or the day before they need to cook and they've realized that's actually not what I needed. I needed this or needed that. That, so that it doesn't mean buying online can't be personal because I, I, I'm very much in the belief it can. Just uh, linking back to something I heard you say there before, what does Google accredited mean? Yeah, so Google accredited means that your um, your AdWords, uh, it's basically a technical algorithm that Google uses that you get a certain amount of hits in your services there. So your pages up to scratch, your links aren't broken, um, the search you know, people searching for products and you're the first to come up because your AdWords are uh, really strong and your service is there. So they're actually accredited, Google accredit and ad insurance or something like that on there that's um, the customer's protected as well if anything was to go wrong with the transaction. Um, so we were really lucky enough. Um, we worked really hard for it, obviously, but we're really lucky enough that, you know, and having chat facility and stuff, but, you know, Last year, I think it was that we got the uh, Google accreditation, and the very first found out the very first barbecue store in Australia to have it. So, uh, or at least the very first spit retailer in Australia to have it. So that was um, that was a really great accomplishment for the company. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's that's really interesting. That's probably a good tip for uh, for anybody in any kind of barbecue business, really, is to look into how to get Google accredited. Yeah, and look at the end of the day, it helps your customer. Um, it helps them navigate through your page. That your page is actually navigatable. Um, if you get a chance, if anyone gets a chance to go on the website, you'll see that we put a lot of time into our website and a lot of information on our website. And we do have that online chat facility, um, you know, Monday to Friday, uh, Monday to Saturday, nine to five, eight thirty to five. Um, but yeah, so it may, I think it makes it a little bit more accessible for customers. And there's a peace of mind there. Um, we've all been to those websites that we think are legitimate but aren't. And um, yeah, I think Google very much appreciates. Um, people who are who are trying to make you know a good website, trying to help people. G'day, Cameron Benton from Newcastle here. What advice do you have for people looking to buy their first competition barbecue? Uh, I get a lot of this. Um, doesn't have to be like I mentioned before the Rolls Royce. Um, you know, we live in a we live in a pretty lucky climate in Australia that we don't have stupidly you know minus fifteen degree temperatures generally. Um, unless you're cooking on the top of, you know, Mount Kosciuszko. Um, it doesn't need to be – your first barbecue, competition barbecue, doesn't necessarily need to be 8, 10 mil thick. Um, doesn't need to be, you know, a 2,500 to three and a half, five, you know, grand unit. Cook on what you know. Know your pit before you go into competition. And – um, yeah, it's, it's not necessarily the pit that makes the good barbecue for, for my liking. It's the person behind it. Because um, if that was the case, we'd all have you know the same barbecue and we'd all be cooking on the same pit. 
it does help to have a good pit. Don't get me wrong, in competition. Um, it may save you a little bit less in fuel in terms of, uh, you know, keeping heat in. It might save you a little bit of sleep. But at the end of the day, um, don't you don't need to go and spend thousands of dollars on a pit for it to be a good pit for competition. This is Adam from the ABA, and you're listening to Smoking Hot Confessions. Cameron, you've been a great sport today, mate. Let me quiz you like this for so long. We're nearly there, but first, what are your top three tips for people who'd love to open a barbecue shop of their own? Um, probably if you're going to start importing, um, find a reliable supplier. I think that's that's the big one. Um, have a good have a good relationship with that supplier. Um, really strike a good relationship with that supplier. I deal with a few suppliers around in Australia that are amazing, absolutely brilliant. Um, Brett, uh, just a quick shout out for Brett from Lanes. Uh, Brett's an amazing guy to deal with. Um, makes it a lot easy, a lot easier from a business point um, to deal with those suppliers and, and just build up a good communication. Um, you know, we we import a, a brand of knives over from the states, and we're the only one outside in Australia at least doing them. Um, and we have a great relationship with that business. And I think that's really important. You know, for the first five years of our business, we, um, we used and supplied with Sean on Alibaba, um, and had a lot of problems. I think that's, you know, lesson learned. Um, you know, starting, if you are going to start your own manufacturing from scratch with your own staff, um, it's the only way you're really going to be able to control product quality. Uh, you are the middleman, you are the end user at the end of the day, you're dealing with the end user and you're the manufacturer, you're everything. Uh, you're the product designer, you're everything, so you take responsibility for every step. Not only do you take responsibility for the mistakes, you take responsibility for how well it works out too and you can adjust things along the way. Um, be prepared to put in long hours. Definitely be prepared to put in long hours. There's no nine to five. When you're running your own, when you're running your own business, even though I, I only run one part of uh, of the business and that's the retail side in Sydney, there's no nine to five to me. Um, I'm forever looking at social media, updating social media, um, doing recipes, uh, putting on, getting online content ready, filming videos. Um, but that's all part of my passion. That's all part of the I love. Um, you know, it is important to have a work life balance. But in barbecue, one thing I've learned is that. Life is barbecue. That's just how it is. If you're really going to be into it, really, you know, jump head first into it, it becomes part of your life. Um, and be prepared for that. And prepare your loved ones around you for it as well. Um, they might not be as so accommodating, but let them know that this is the this is what they can expect. Um, and I think I think probably take care of your health if you can get a. This is no. If you can get a gym membership, get one. I don't have one. I probably need one um, because you're going to eat a lot. You're going to be sampling a lot of food. Um, you put on a lot of weight from too much barbecue, and just be yeah, be be prepared for a, a bit of a, a bit of a change, um, and be prepared to you know take the good with the bad. Um, you're not going to please everyone. That's just the nature of it. That's the nature of retail in general. Um, but it's take the wins when you can. That's interesting. That that last little bit of advice. You're the first person ever to actually to actually bring that up. The issue of uh, of of health issues from this beloved sport of uh, you know barbecue. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, 
I personally put on uh, 10 kilos over this uh, 2017 season. And uh, my wife runs a little nutritional coaching business and she put me on a plan. And uh, thankfully over the summer, I've managed to knock those those 10 kilos off. But yeah, I think that's... Um, I think that's a, a bit of a a bit of a unspoken epidemic at the moment. Yeah, and that's awesome that you can do that because I I, um, I fluctuate like crazy. Um, but generally, when I'm cooking a lot, I don't eat a lot. But when I'm not cooking, when I'm when I'm having other people's food, I, I eat a lot. Well, not a lot, but I eat enough. And it, they're generally those fatty, fatty high in fat cuts. You know, I, I had a bit of a health scare where doctor said that i've got a fatty liver i've got you know just the, the cholesterol levels are pretty bad it runs with the family and a bit of a scare and you know it's enough to go all right i love it but i need to put something in place where i don't overdo it and i think it's really important because there's a lot of big guys in the barbecue thing um and i you know we all need to take care of our health at big time yeah it's one thing to to love it but it's another thing to die for it so we don't want to be you know part of that cycle no, definitely not. And I think I think it's a bit of an unspoken sort of uh, epidemic. You're right. I think um, maybe there's something there. Maybe we need to run a bit of a, a bit of a drive in. You know, us us barbecuers taking care of our health. Some kind of public public service or public awareness type things. Yeah, a bit of a PSA. Yeah, absolutely. Very cool. Well, mate, there's some uh, there's been some top advice there. So thanks very much for that. I'm going to throw it over to you now. The studio is all yours. So give some shout-outs to whomever you'd like and tell all the listeners where they can track you down on the internet. Yeah, so um, obviously you can hit us up on uh, barbecuespitrentitieries.com.au um, or flamingcoals.com.au. Um, you know, Flaming Coals on Instagram. Um, like I said, we do have 24-hour service. You know, within usually within two hours of receiving a Facebook message, um, Usually it's instantaneous, but if I'm asleep, you will get a message back. Or if I can't get to it, one of us will get back to you pretty quick. Um, shout out to some of the amazing suppliers, like I said, I work with. Um, and uh, Kev from uh, Stone's Meats, uh, Stone's Family Meats in Castle Hill, who um, sponsor uh, the shop in Sydney and also sponsor my barbecue thing. He's absolutely brilliant, uh, brilliant bloke and great supporter of Low and Slow. Um, yeah, and a shout out to my uh, to my family to put up with it. I think that's the uh, they're the unsung heroes in, in the barbecue world of the loved ones. Very nicely said, mate. Very nicely said. So once again, mate, thanks for your time. I reckon running a barbecue shop would have to be a dream job for a lot of people out there, and I'm sure they've had a great time sharing in your knowledge and advice. I'm really looking forward to catching up in person soon. Cheers, mate. Thanks. <laughs> Well, family, there you have it. Everything you've ever wanted to know about opening and running a barbecue shop. It's got to be right up there with any dream barbecue business you've ever thought of. You can follow Cameron and Barbecue Spit Rotisseries on Facebook at BBQ Spit Rotisseries and on Instagram at Flaming Coals. Coming up next Thursday, the irrepressible Julianne from Jagged Wood-Fired Smoker Ovens will be joining me in the studio to discuss life as a smoker manufacturer. Based out of WA, Julianne and husband Glenn have led an incredible life traveling around Australia before settling in Perth and building up an impressive variety of incredible, innovative and adaptable smokers. If you have a design and a desire, this is the episode for you. Big thanks and much gratitude go out to this episode's sponsors, Pure Meats Robina, Pitt Brothers Barbecue and Jagged Wood-Fired Smoker Ovens. Their support makes this project possible. 
I've put their links in the episode description, so please click on through to their sites to claim those awesome offers for you loyal Smoking Hot Confessions listeners. If you have a message that you'd like included in this podcast to get out to a barbecue mad audience, send me an email directly at ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Shoutouts also have to go to those who called in and left questions for Cameron. Chris, Alan, Rowan, Linda, Michael, Andrew, Bree, and Benton. It was awesome to find out what was on your mind, and I know Cameron had a great time answering them. If you'd like more, I have published a free ebook that is just for you. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com slash ebooks to get your copy now. I've put a link in the description. Also, head on over to Facebook and join the Smoking Hot Confessions community, and let's continue the conversation. It's a group dedicated to teaching, learning, and sharing all about barbecue, and all the BS is left at the door. Everybody has a place in the Smoking Hot Confessions community. Finally, however you listen to this episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a review. This way, the episode will be delivered to more people's devices than a gaggle of Playboy bunnies chasing a $100 note blowing down the sidewalk. Until next time, take care of each other, and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.